All right, welcome. Welcome back finally to the Magic Hours podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Justin. Hello. Are you happy to be back? I am happy to be back. It's only been six months since the last time we recorded an episode. (laughs) Yeah, we're sorry to our listeners, which we actually found out we have listeners. There's a few out there, apparently. Yeah, we got our Spotify wrapped at the end of this year for podcasters. And we were like, oh, people are actually listening to this. Maybe we should take it seriously and record it more. So here we are. We're back. Better than ever. Um, and today we're talking about... Peter Pan. 1953 classic. And, you know, Disney Plus came out while we were on our little break. Yeah, one of our biggest kind of spurs for getting back to this is uh, the ease which we can actually watch all of these movies now. Whereas before we had to kind of hunt them down or rent them or buy them. Now we have one easy to watch service that gives us everything that we need to talk about. So Yeah, so we basically paid for a whole year of Disney Plus and now we just have it and all those movies that we were struggling to find or pay for or do whatever we just have, which is awesome. And I didn't we- check to see if they had like Victory for Air Power on there. Well, they have like... Through Airbound. Yeah, that's true. They had Three Caballeros. And they had those ones. All those lovely wartime films that we <laughs> struggled through. But um, So the cool thing about Disney Plus uh, is that each of the films have these one-sentence log lines. And they're often like pretty funny. And, and then they have like a description underneath. But we figured going forward, if the film was on Disney Plus, which it seems like pretty much almost everything is, we'll just... We'll read the... We'll read the, the is logline the right word? Tagline, logline, Tag quick summary. Yeah, and then I'll just quickly read um, the plot. It's only a couple of sentences, but I think that gives you a better overview of what the movie is about. And then we can jump back into historical context, the voice actors, awards, theme park impact, all that whatever dis- random discussion that we have about the movie. So, Peter Pan. This is, this is I'm just going to say logline. This is the logline from Disney+. Plus. Wendy and her brothers embark on a fantastic adventure with the hero of their bedtime stories, Peter Pan. This program is presented as originally created. It may contain outdated cultural depictions. It just might. (laughs) And we'll talk about that. There is one controversy surrounding this film, but I think we'll get to that a little later. I'm pretty sure Song of the South is not on Disney Plus either. Oh, no, 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 no. No, that's in the vault Didn't look, but just going to assume that. (laughs) Okay, so I'll I'll expand a little bit. I'll read, like, the actual description. It says, Fantastic adventures await Wendy and her brothers when Peter Pan, the hero of their stories, whisks them away to the magical world of Neverland. After following Peter and his feisty sidekick Tinkerbell past the second star to the right and straight on till morning, they explore the island and Peter's secret hideout with the rambunctious Lost Boys and leap into high-flying battles and with swashbuckling pirates and the infamous Captain Hook. Oh, contains tobacco depictions. <laughs> and then the cultural depiction thing again. Smoking and racial stereotypes. I like how detailed they are, though. It's rated G. At least they're covering themselves. <laughs> they also have everything separated into genre. I've, I've noticed that often films will have like three to ten genres associated with them. So this one is classified as family, fantasy, animation, action, adventure, and musical. It's a lot of boxes. So basically like every Disney animated movie. So we watched this movie 
a couple of years ago in Florida when we, we were started in, watching yeah, it. Yeah. And then we actually watched the whole thing again like months ago and then we just didn't record the podcast. So I had a lot of notes on it though. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean this is this is a pretty iconic Disney movie. It is a pretty iconic Disney movie. This is also the last one featuring Bobby Driscoll, which means we're going to finally get to the sad, sad tale of Bobby Driscoll and the end of his life. Poor Bobby Driscoll. Yeah, I feel like we've been teasing that like the entire podcast. We keep mentioning him and being like, but we're going <laughs> to wait until Peter Pan. Yeah. Um, th- it also has a ton of impact on the theme parks that we're going to talk about. And I mean, a ton of impact throughout the whole Disney company, I would say. Um, did you watch this growing up? This was one that I'm pretty sure I did watch growing up. Um, especially after Hook came out, which was like my favorite movie at the time. Mm-hmm. There was definitely a lot of going back and watching the Disney Peter Pan as well. And did you like it? I liked it. Like, do you have good memories around it? I think so. I don't think I watched it as much as some other things, but it was definitely lodged in there in my brain. Yeah. I I like this movie a lot. I feel like it was one of those ones as a kid where I would turn on the VHS like up until they got to Neverland and then turn it off for some reason. I don't know why, but like the first couple of scenes where when they're in the Darling House, I you remember. You just really liked domestic arguments. I, don't know. I just remember it so well for some reason, um, and I always remember thinking as a kid, "Oh, the dad is supposed to be Captain Hook, and it's the same voice." And I like always tell my brother that, and he's like. What are you talking about? Yeah, because that's a tradition from the play. Is that, Oh, really? Yeah, that the actor who plays Hook also plays Mr. Darling. Interesting. Okay, so backing up then, uh, the movie is based on a play called Peter Pan or the Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up by J.M. Barry. And I will mention that this film, uh, this was the last Disney animated feature to be released through RKO before Disney finally founded Buena Vista Distribution. So that's why at the beginning of all those early shows you see the RKO label. It's because Disney just didn't have enough money to have his own distribution company yet. Yeah, This is also the last one done with the nine old men of the Disney Studios. All of them? I think all, there's the last one with all of them together. Because we actually watched Sleeping Beauty the other day. And there was quite a few in there still. I think Some many of them were still yeah. around. But this was the last time all of them worked on one movie. Oh, well, it's a good one to end on. Okay, Um, how do you want to do this? Do you want to talk about some of the history around the production? Yeah, let's do a little bit of history and then talk about our reaction to the movie and then get back to the rest of the backstory. Okay. So, yeah, Disney had been planning this film as early as 1935, although Paramount still had the rights from the Hospital for Sick Children because J.M. Barry left the rights to the play to a hospital. Uh, Wait, did Disney have to win the rights back? Uh, they had to work out some kind of deal. Where they would, like, donate money or something? Uh, I'm not sure. Something through Paramount. I'm sure there was a lot of back-and-forth negotiation. Okay. Uh, but they did get the rights in 1939, uh, and had started character design then, and had thrown around a bunch of ideas, like exploring Peter's backstory, which, again, kind of harkens back to what they did later with Hook. I'm just going to keep bringing that up, because I watched that movie a lot as a 10-year-old. Uh, they also played with the idea of having Wendy be more kidnapped in order to be forced to be the Lost Boy's mother, but then they scrapped that idea, thankfully. And then Pearl Harbor happened and everything got put on hold because Disney was now in charge of making propaganda films for the war. Which was the movie where 
was it Mr. Toad where there was books on the shelf and Alice and Peter Pan were on the shelf? I think Alice and Peter Pan were in the background of a bunch of those storybook opening scenes. Pinocchio had one of them, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Toad definitely had one of them on the shelf, too. Um, So, yeah, this this and Alice was something that he had been that Walt had been kicking around for a while and was just never happy with it or couldn't get the rights to. Because obviously these are both very famous works of English fiction. That Do you think at the time Americans would have known about this story before the film came out? I think so. I think the play had a fairly sort of wide release of being a children's play that was put on in a lot of places. Okay. Anyway, so yeah. Peter Pan and Alice were put on hold because of that pesky Second World War. Uh, which meant that the Bank of America was keeping the production going during that whole time. And then when they finally got back to thinking about it again, there was some talk of having Cary Grant play Captain Hook. Uh, They did a lot of uh, planning for that. The animators and everyone put together a big two-and-a-half-hour presentation on how they were going, developing this story now that they had the rights again. And Walt's response was, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Cinderella. (laughs) <laughs> which my notes say classic Walt. <laughs> he just deflected all of that work that they had been putting into it and just focused on something else because he wasn't feeling it at that time. Um, so again, there was a lot of stuff from the play and from different adaptions of the story that they thought about putting in and then took out again. Some darker stuff about Captain Hook properly getting eaten by the crocodile. Yeah. I read about that, too. Had that scripted and then went, eh, maybe not. Uh, They apparently showed the Darling family mourning their missing children Mm. and then decided that that was a little too somber. Mm. So there's a few things. And the imaginary dinner with the invisible food. Again, hook. Hook, yeah. Got that out. Um, But what they did do was do a lot of live action references for all the sequences in this film. Mm. And... That kind of leads into the cast. So Bobby Driscoll plays Peter Pan, and Peter Pan looks like Bobby Driscoll. Yeah, the did. face and the voice were based on Bobby Driscoll. The movements was a, I believe, a dancer did the physical performance. That's right. And were there any other notable voices? Catherine Beaumont, I think, uh, plays Wendy Darling, and. She was Alice. That's right. So the voice of Alice was the voice of Wendy as well. Um, and yeah, really back to back on her movies. Yep. Which they did a lot. And like you'll see that when we when we eventually get to Sleeping Beauty, we have a lot of interesting uh, nature documentaries and Davy Crockett to get through before then. But um, excited about the vanishing prairie. But voice actors at the time seemed to be in, I don't know, not very high demand because they seemed to use the same, like, ten people over and over and over again. I think standard kind of studio contract. You got people you like, just use them in everything. Pretty much. Um, Hans Conried was the voice of Captain Hook. I would say one of the most uh, iconic Disney voices for me. Definitely one of the most iconic villain voices. Yeah. So he also played a bunch of other villains, and he was snidely whiplash in Dudley (laughs) Do-Right. Yeah. Uh, Other than that, not really anybody else of note. Uh, Oh, except for Smee. We should talk about that. Um, Smee was played by Bill Thompson, who we've talked about 
many times. He's the voice of Droopy. Um, he was in Dumbo too somewhere, wasn't he? He was in Alice as the White Rabbit. He was not in Dumbo. No, I they just basically Alice and Peter Pan are kind of like twin movies for some reason. Like, I think they have a similar kind of cultural origin. They're both English books yeah. slash plays written roughly around the same time, aimed at children, but also kind of weird. Yeah, and they're fantastical and their animation style was really similar and again they just seem to reuse the same voices and the same talent for both of them but back to bobby driscoll so what happened to our boy okay let's tell his story so as wait wait just to backtrack a little bit so up until this point bobby driscoll was pretty much the darling of the disney company yeah he was the golden child child actor of all the disney films he was in uh, throughout the 40s and 50s. He was in Song of the South and So Dear to My Heart as the title characters for yeah. early Disney movies. Even small parts in was it Melody Time? There was yep. a random the cowboy story. Yep. Um, he's so a, he's a pillar of Disney history that nobody talks about. Not after Peter Pan. So yeah, he had been part of Disney for many years. Basically, grew up in the Disney Studio system. Uh, Peter Pan was, as we mentioned, his last film because after this point, Walt decided that as Bobby Driscoll had been growing older, he didn't really see him as a leading child actor anymore. He saw him more as a older bully character. Because he wasn't cute. He yeah. wasn't cute anymore. He basically, he, he stopped had really being really bad acne. He got bad skin and that was basically it for him. Disney just dumped him. After He's that. the first in a long line of child actors. <laughs> to be immediately dropped when they're not cute anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> so he did go back to school. Um, however, yeah, he got ridiculed for his career ending. Uh, children aren't exactly the nicest people to each other. How old is he at this point? Um, I don't have the age he went back to school, but I want to say probably around 16. Okay. Uh, he almost immediately got involved in drugs. Um, heroin was his drug of choice because he could afford it, right. which is a sad statement. Uh, yeah, he started drug use at 17, preferring heroin. Oh my God. Uh, talking about this period in his life, he said, uh, the other kids didn't accept me. They treated me as one apart. I tried re desperately to be one of the gang. When they rejected me, I fought back, became belligerent and cocky. And was afraid all the time. Well, think about it. You have this perfectly charmed life. Everybody loves you. You're in movies, which are the biggest thing in the world. And then all of a sudden, you're just tossed to the side. You no, know, and you're back in high school. Yeah. Dealing with high school stuff. You're not special anymore. In the 50s. Uh, so we had a few more parts in some other things, uh, but really nothing of note. Uh, he eloped to Mexico to get married and then quickly got divorced again in 1960. <laughs> nice little aside there. Uh, he was also charged with disturbing the peace because he was driving in his girlfriend's car while someone started insulting and heckling him, so he pistol whipped them with the gun he had with him. Wow. Pretty classic broken down celebrity kind of meltdown moment there. Mm -hmm. uh, he went into rehab in 1961 and had no other real work after that point um, again he was quoted as saying 
I've found that memories are not very useful. I was carried on a silver platter and then dumped in the garbage. Very apt, yeah. Ouch. Uh, so his next plan was to move to New York to try and get into Broadway. Unsuccessfully, nothing happened with that. Although he did end up hang, hanging out with uh, Andy Warhol and the whole factory crowd during that time, which I'm sure was a very healthy environment for an unstable <laughs> young person. Uh between 1967 and 1968, he completely disappeared into the Manhattan Underground. Uh, Mark, we, we have no idea what he was doing. We at that time. basically can only deduce what he was doing. He was essentially drifting and homeless around New York hmm. from uh, 67 to 68. <clears throat> In March 30th, on March 30th, 1968, which was three weeks after his 31st birthday. Two boys playing in an East Village uh, ruin, an abandoned building, found his body on a cot surrounded by empty bottles and religious pamphlets. Um, his cause of death was heart failure due to the hardened arteries from longtime drug use. That was very sad. And I, wasn't his mother looking for him? Yeah, no one could ID him at the time. Uh, so he was marked or he was buried in an unmarked grave in Potter's Field. It wasn't until 19 months later that his mother was trying to track him down and actually found out what happened to him and found his grave. Um, in terms of public uh, reports of his death, nothing was actually reported on this until a 1971 re-release of Song of the South when reporters thought it would be interesting to track down the cast and get their opinions on the film over the years. And then that's when the press realized what had happened to him over the last uh, few years since he left Disney and publicly no one had actually known his story until then in 1971 yeah so it's a very sad story it's not it's not a, it's not a singular story I mean it happened to lots of child actors it's a at very this time in the classic same... dark side of Hollywood story and not just child actors like lo any actor who was caught in the Hollywood system at this time had a had a tough life and it's not a direct reflection uh, reflection on the Disney company necessarily itself. It's just kind of, it was just kind not of... Not any more than anyone yeah. else at that time. Yeah. So we definitely wanted to mention that because, in, you know, in watching some of these old movies, Bobby Driscoll was a star. Like, he really was a star of the early uh, Disney company. And when you watch him in something like So Dear to My Heart, you know, he's, he's just so sweet and... He was know. also worked so hard. Like, if you remember that um, oh, we forgot to mention he was in Treasure Island. Yes, yeah, I was going to say. Remember, yeah. Treasure Island, they weren't even supposed to shoot with him as much as they did and had to hide him and move him yeah. from set to set so that they could overwork him by the UK film standards. That's right. So this is our ode to Bobby Driscoll as we discuss Peter Pan. and Yes, how the early Hollywood studio system can keep someone in a bubble while they have an image they like and then immediately erase them from the public eye as soon as they're done with them. Mm -hmm. But it's a kind of a nice homage that the, the character of Peter Pan, I don't even think people realize, like he looks exactly like Bobby at the yeah, time. The face and the expressions are completely him. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on from that. So what was your reaction to this movie in the context of everything else we've watched so far up to this point? How do you think it stands up? I think it stands up pretty well, um, although we mentioned the tagline. We haven't talked about it specifically. Yeah. The the Native American stereotypes slash song in this film is pretty bad. So there's a song in the movie called What Made the Red Man Red, 
and it's about the Indians, the First Nations people on the island in Neverland. And it's been criticized basically recently for typecasting, um, making Indians depicted as a race mainly defined by sexuality, because the lyrics are kind of like about them pursuing women. These stereotypes were present in the play itself. Disney didn't make these up. It was in the source material, um, along with all the other darker stuff that we mentioned before. Um, Again, remembering that this play was written by a British person who also probably didn't really understand what he was writing about. Yeah, for sure. Um, They did make a sequel to this movie called Return to Neverland in 2002. It was a straight-to-video sequel, and they wrote those characters completely out of it. Um, Probably good. Yeah, and so that's why there's that disclaimer on Disney Plus now, because the song is actually really catchy, and, like, the dancing and stuff is fun, but it's... uh, The subject's very cringy. Yeah, and the the way that the Indians are depicted is not cool. No, Um, but watching this again, like other than that scene, which I honestly didn't even think was that bad compared to some of the other stuff we've seen, like Song of the South, um, Dumbo had some questionable. I mean, a lot of these have had questionable stuff. Yeah, there's a pretty good persistence of bad Asian stereotypes throughout a lot of Disney things, too. And African-American. Yeah. They actually make the Indians in the movie seem like super tough characters i don't know and tough but nice i don't know yeah it's hard to and like the cartoon character everybody in neverland is like a weird twisted fantastical version of real life like captain hook was not what a pirate was for example i mean no it really doesn't make sense to kill your own crew when you're bored (laughs) just nautically no, I mean, nothing in the movie makes sense. If It, it really is kind of like a twin movie to Alice in that it's, it's fantastical and nonsensical. I enjoyed it. I think I still like Alice better, but this movie was good. It has really good music in it. Second Star to the Right has become a very iconic Disney song. Yeah, and in terms of continued influence, obviously the Peter Pan ride in the park is still one of the longest dark ride lineups ever and always has been yeah so we've been watching a lot of stuff about fantasy land in the in in uh, disneyland and how it's evolved over the years and i had no idea so fantasy land was completely overhauled in the early 1980s to make way for new fantasy land yeah which was when they took out all the medieval overtones and turned it into more of a germanic village And what we found out is that actually all of the dark rides, um, well, there was only a couple at the time. So the three major ones. Yeah, were uh, well, Snow White and Mr. Toad were completely gutted and remade. Peter Pan actually was the only. Oh, and Alice in Wonderland, too. Yeah, like half of Alice Wonderland was torn down and redone. But Peter Pan was the only one that actually kept its structural integrity. And that's because it was the only one to have a unique ride system where you were suspended from the ceiling instead of just, you know, like a regular track on the ground. Yeah, because they had adapted what was basically a conveyor belt system from a factory into a ride. Yeah, yeah. And it's had a ton of major upgrades over the year, but I'd say of all the Fantasyland attractions, it's probably the one that stayed the most true to the original opening day attraction. Yeah, they've cleaned it up a lot. They've changed some of the set pieces, but 
the flow of the story has kind of remained the same. Yeah. Um, and it will continue to be the most popular because it gives people the feeling of flying. You're flying over London and there's nowhere else you can do that. So Yeah, it definitely feels more unique than the other dark rides in Fantasyland. The other uh, thing in the park that I've been totally fascinated with lately is the chicken of the sea pirate ship and restaurant which later just became captain hook's restaurant so it was a big pirate ship in the middle of Fantasyland, and it was where dumbo is now and they they got rid of it in that Fantasyland new Fantasyland upgrade that i mentioned in the early 80s yeah the new Fantasyland happened in 1982 which means it was two years before i was born so all of these pre-refurb things happened outside of my lifetime so i've never seen them there are all these weird images that i sometimes see of rides that don't exist and set pieces that don't <laughs> exist and different versions of things that look kind of terrifying so basically yeah if you can imagine looking at storybook uh the storybook boats to the very left where dumbo is was a giant pirate ship like a, a red and white sailed black and red ship and behind it they actually had a replica of skull rock and a whole cove, which I think looked beautiful, and I'm really sad they the didn't do that. The Skull Rock fountain set piece looks great. Um, it's kind of a shame that that was too expensive to move or relocate anywhere. Yeah, so it was sponsored. The pirate ship was sponsored, as most things were in the park, on opening day by a tuna company, Chicken of the Sea. And everything inside was tuna themed. So you get a tuna sandwich, a tuna burger, or a hot tuna pie. And it was just like a walk-up counter window. Yeah, we've managed to find some pictures of this. And if you've been to the Florida park, it's kind of similar to the uh, Harbor Galley mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's just a walk-up counter service. Everything looks like it's wood paneling. And then I you... think I had a tuna sandwich at the Harbor I restaurant. I think you did. I had <laughs> mac and cheese. Uh, And then you walk up to the top of Captain Hook's pirate ship to eat it and the kids could play there. Yeah. And there wasn't even really tables or anything. You just kind of like wander around, eat your chicken sandwich or whatever. Chicken. Chicken of the sea. sea. (laughs) Tuna sandwich. And and that was it. And then they lost the sponsorship at some point and it just became Captain Hook's restaurant. But apparently the menu didn't really change. No, it was still tuna. It was still just tuna sandwiches. (laughs) Which is so funny. Like, could you imagine Disneyland having just a a tuna 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 sandwich sandwich bar? (laughs) Um, I guess Harbor Galley exists in Disneyland. No, it does, yeah. Yeah, and they have like... Sorry, is it called Harbor Galley? Yeah. In Florida? Okay, so they have the same name. No, in Florida... Oh, jeez. Liberty Square? Yeah, Liberty Square is so uniquely a Florida thing that I don't remember the names of things that well because we've only been there once. Columbia Harbor House is what it's called. And we did eat there, and they do have tuna. And it's a counter-service nook. With nautical decor. It was nookie. But it's called Harbor Galley in Disneyland. And you can get like a lobster roll and some kettle chips and... Similar idea, less pirates. They had a seafood boil there when we were there last time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it was too fragile to be to be moved. And um, so they just basically got rid of the pirate ship. And that was that. There's rumors that they used bits of it in the refurb for the Peter Pan ride. But that was never confirmed as being true or untrue. The uh, area where the Finding Nemo submarines are now also had mermaids. 
at some point, right? Yes, there was live mermaids, which quickly proved to be a terrible idea. Yeah, I think it only lasted a summer or something like that. But it's such a cool idea to have, like, actual mermaids in the grotto. I don't know why. I think that's so cool. It's a cool idea. Horrible for the women. Yeah, for them as a job and until men jumped in the water to go talk to them. (laughs) You totally like the Odyssey. Um, And Tinkerbell has become basically the mascot of the park. She's pretty much the logo of the Disney park. She's always tapping her magic wand and fairy dust every time the Disney logo comes up and all the old like TV intros. Yep. And Tiny, who was the actress, played Tinkerbell for the fireworks and she would like fly across from the Matterhorn and it was a whole big thing. Yep. She's always in every parade. She's always there. She's always She's not there. Going oh, and Pixie Hollow. We haven't even mentioned that. So there's, oh, a, right. there's a whole area tucked in by Tomorrowland where you can meet Tinkerbell and all her Pixie friends. I think you still can. Um, and it's called Pixie Hollow. I stuck my head in there once. I don't remember. So yeah, this this film has a lot of good material to pull from for the parks. And so, I don't know, it makes perfect sense that they would integrate it as much as they did. Uh, it also has the benefit of amazing timing because it was made right before the park opened. So obviously they wanted to capitalize on, on the film itself. However, critically... Uh, there was some backlash to this movie. People didn't like that they took away some of the faithfulness from the play. Um, Disney never does that. <laughs> yeah. It says that the New York Times praised the colors. <laughs> said they were exciting. <laughs> there was exciting technical features and nice synchronization of voices. The animation of the lips was very good. For animation, these are, <laughs> these are good things. But it seems like such an underhanded compliment to be like, I, I like the colors. <laughs> Yeah, um, and they like the they like the colors and the music, um, but basically it says they didn't like that it didn't dive deeply enough into the darkness of J M Barry's tale as a heartwarming, uh, and change it into a heartwarming exuberant film with some great tunes. Yeah, as I mentioned, similar to Alice, the original Peter Pan story is kind of weird and kind of dark. Um, I don't know anything about it. It's a lot more. Oh yeah, I've read it. It's a lot more explicit of the fact that. Peter Pan kills pirates. Uh, He also mentions at times that once he kills pirates, he forgets who they are because they're dead and they don't matter anymore. So he doesn't remember Captain Hook's name once he beats him. Really? When he's like, aren't you happy about beating Captain Hook? And he's like, sorry, who? Really? Yeah. So what's Peter Pan's goal in the play? Peter Pan basically has absolutely no concept of anything outside of what is right in front of him at any given time. So he's, he's purely selfish. He only knows what he's doing, and anything that's out of sight uh, is out of mind, and he forgets about it. Is there any kind of, like, morality to the end of the play, or... Yeah. In that Victorian turn-of-the-century kind of way. It seems like the only moral in this movie is that the dad kind of, like, isn't so hard on the kids at the end. Especially in the, yeah, the Disney one, yeah, is the bit of remorse that his parent their parents aren't paying attention to them mm-hmm. i mean their nanny's a dog <laughs> yeah they have a dog named nana it's very cute and very sad but yeah there's there's not really any kind of morality tale in this again it's just like alice it's just like a bunch of nonsense and you have a fun time watching it the colors are great love the animation on the lips but uh you're not really left with any i don't know any lasting takeaway everything's fine Everything's fine. I don't even remember what happens to Peter Pan at the end of the movie. Doesn't he just... They just fly the ship back home and... Leave them. That's that. Yeah. 
It's very much implied that there's going to be more adventures, too. Which I guess they did in 2002, but no one remembers that. It's on Disney+. Plus. Is it? Yeah, oh, it's got to be. There when I was scanning. Let's see if it's on Suggested. Yeah, Return to Neverland. And then the next suggested is Pinocchio. We've done that. Pinocchio. Don't need to do that again. <laughs> yeah, don't need to do that again. All right. I mean, that's pretty much it for Peter Pan. I would definitely, you know, especially with Disney Plus, give it a rewatch. It's all these movies are fast. It's only an hour and 17 minutes long. Very low stakes on watching these ones. Yeah. 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 Show it to your kids. I mean, the Indian scene is a little, uh, but what Go, are you do? like, make a sandwich during that part and yeah. come back. Yeah, make a sandwich. Um, yeah, so in presenting this, we also realized we did skip over Robin Hood, not the one people remember that's animated, the one no one remembers that's a live-action version that came right before Peter Pan. And we are going to tag that onto a future episode. They're just wasn't a ton to say about what was essentially a reworking of the Errol Flynn movie into a more Disney format in the 50s. Yeah. It was called The Story of Robin Hood and His Merry Men. It came out one year prior to Peter Pan in 1952. Overall, jolly tale. It's just, just okay. Yeah, it's just okay. We I tried mean, to do research, this... but honestly, like, it was just okay. Maybe... There was no trivia about it. There was just, it was a movie that happened. It was a movie. It was one of his... I, I don't know. I guess it was one of the first fully live action movies that he did. Yeah. It I, it had good reviews. I don't know. Watch it on Disney Plus. It was fun. Oh, Treasure Island was first, I guess. Mm. But yeah, it was just another kind of like fanciful fun. Fanciful? Yes, fanciful. Fanciful fun movie. Again, it's like just over an hour long. There's not that much interesting stuff about it. Personally, for me, it was just as someone who is a big Errol Flynn fan. Errol Flynn fan? Flynn fan. Uh, Errol <laughs> Flynn fan. Um, yeah, it's hard not to compare it to that iconic 1939 and 38, whatever, version of, uh, of Robin Hood that everyone remembers because that's still the one everyone goes back to. But what about the Disney animated animal well, version? we'll see. Because I remember liking the animated one as a kid, but I don't remember anything about it at all except what the characters look like. Me. I remember like a couple of the songs, but that's about it. All right. Well, uh, that pretty much covers Robin Hood and his Merry Men. Give it a watch. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to even talk about that anymore. It's okay. <laughs> the, next, the next movie we're going to watch is called The Sword and the Rose. Which was another live action swashbuckling and it's not on Disney Plus, so that's annoying. Oh, making us do work. Came out the same year as Peter Pan, um, and it's another British family adventure film. Uh, basically, it's the story of Mary Tudor, uh, one of the younger sisters of Henry VIII. So that's what it's about. The cover has some swords on it. We'll find <laughs> out if we can find it. We'll 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 talk about that later. And then after that, I think we hit documentaries for a while before we get back to animated features. Yeah, we're in another tough, tough time, you guys. We have to watch The Living Desert and The Vanishing Prairie. The 60s wasn't great. Yeah, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is coming up, which we've already watched. I don't even know if we need to watch it again. I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. Because um, again, now we have Disney Plus, I can just watch it again. The next animated film we'll be reviewing is Lady and the Tramp, hmm. which I'm feeling very 
eh about. But they just released a new live action original version of it, original remake version on Disney Plus. So we'll we'll probably watch those at the same time. Yeah, I might give the new one a just review a both. Watch. All right, well, before we go, we wanted to talk about some other stuff that's been going on with us and with the Disney company. We've already kind of touched on Disney Plus being a thing, which we've been watching a lot of. Makes our lives easier, slash, I have 300 hours of Star Wars things to watch and don't need to ever stand up. Um, the first thing that I watched was I... Where was I going? Oh, I had to fly for work somewhere. And so I watched both the Sister Act movies. They were the first things I watched on Disney+. Plus. And for some reason, we watched The Computer War Tennis Shoes and Strongest Man on... Strongest Man in the World? Yeah. Kurt Russell's early Disney teen movies. There's a lot of... Del- you can kind of pass <laughs> on those. No! They were so cute and fun. There's a lot of delightful old... Just like light... Just, just you know, Saturday afternoon... You know, flop down on the couch and turn it on kind of movies. I'm really loving it so far. And obviously the originals. Um, Definitely recommend the Imagineering show, which has like almost made me cry in every episode. (laughs) And the Mandalorian. Uh, Doesn't even need to be mentioned. Um, We've also watched a bunch of the Pixar shorts the other night. Those are kind of cute, too. They're just like five minutes long, but they're cute. So yeah, Disney Plus is a thing. We also went to the parks last month. We did. We were originally going to wait until Rise of the Resistance opened, and then we were really tired from work and didn't, and just went. Yes, we just went. We wanted to check out Galaxy's Edge. So we did, right before Halloween. Yeah. A lot of people have said a lot of things about Galaxy's Edge, so I'm not going to ramble about that. Um, I will say, despite what some people have sort of criticized about it, I thought the land alone was amazing i don't even care about the rides at this point just the theming on the land made me feel like an excited 12 year old who likes star wars again <laughs> and spent 200 dollars on a lightsaber yeah we did we did all the things you guys we did the things <laughs> we went to savi's we built a lightsaber we went to ogas but we didn't build a droid though we, we the only, only the only thing we didn't do was build a droid. Lightsaber we, and a droid would have been overkill. We tried the blue milk. We tried the green milk. They, they were, were both milky. They were both. They were both fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're both a horrible ripoff, uh, though. Oh Oga's is like kind of great, but also kind of a pain. Here's the four one one on Oga's, and I'm sure, like, if you're listening to this far into the future, you're gonna be like, everything's changed and it's all good now. But when we went, I mean, the land hadn't been open very long. So the deal was reservations only. Even when you made the reservation, you had to wait in line. Once you got in, standing room only. We were the second row standing at the bar, which means there was a whole line of people in front of us. We had to fight to get a drink. Two drink maximum, although... I got the sense that that was kind of loosely enforced to two or whatever until you feel like it's time for them to leave. They also said we could only be in there for 45 minutes and there was no bathrooms and no in and out. Yeah, they really don't want you to actually hang out in there for very long. As someone who enjoys cocktail bars, I uh, the I thought it was ridiculous some of those parameters. Like I know they want everyone to enjoy it, but not having a bathroom and not yeah. having enough seating is just embarrassing. It was cool theming, the bar was cool, the drinks DJ were great. Rex was hilarious. But the fact that it was, yeah, like a revolving door of a bar where it's like, get in, fight your way to get two drinks, and then get kind of shuffled back out again. 
We actually only ended up having one drink each just because it they was were good though. They were very good. It was just such a hassle to get our bartender to talk to us. And like once he did, he was great. And he definitely did seem to imply that they would have given us as many drinks as we wanted. Don't know for sure. Yeah, but they had like, what, five bartenders competing with what, probably almost 200 people. I don't know. So, I can't remember the uh, capacity. capacity, but it was it was a few. Let's call it, was, it 80 people. It was a cool experience. I'm glad I'm glad we got to do it. But I was a little annoyed at Disney with the way that they put those restrictions on people. What I did, <clears throat> what I did enjoy, uh, yeah, the atmosphere of having it there is nice. Walking down the street in Galaxy's Edge and basically hearing music and a club going with people lining up to get into it on this very cool. made-up city was a kind of a weirdly nice piece of theming that makes it seem more like a place people live. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's work to get in there, have a drink, and get back out. Yeah. Definitely think the land also needs more live entertainment. Yeah, apparently there was some budget cuts and a few of the like stunt show ideas and stuff didn't happen as regularly as they were planned to. I think if they had some more live actors, it would really make the land come alive a little bit more. It felt a little flat at times when we were there. Like, yes, everything looked amazing, but there just wasn't a buzz yet. Yeah. But again, Rise. Time, everyone's yeah. been saying that Rise of the Resistance is the greatest ride ever oh, made yeah. ever. Uh, so I'm sure when that opens on the California side, it's going to once again become a zoo in there and probably bring a lot more money in and maybe they'll bring some more of the live entertainment ideas back. I think if they want to get people to the land and actually keep them there, they're going to have to do stuff like that. And also like from, I mean, I haven't been on the ride, but I've seen all the media ride throughs that have been posted this week. I have been deliberately not watching any of those (laughs) because I want to be surprised. It's just going to be impossible in my eyes to keep Star Tours in the park when Rise comes out. The fate of Star Tours and Tomorrowland is a hotly contested subject. Yeah, Um, they're going to have to do something. I did have a stormtrooper tell me to settle down when I got my lightsaber, though. Yeah, that was awesome. I did not realize he was standing behind me. (laughs) Yeah. The uh, the interactive elements with the cast is is fun, and it would be nice if they expanded on that even more. Yeah. Otherwise, we had a great trip to the park. It was really busy when we were there, which was a little challenging. Yeah, but... we don't usually go during peak times. But yeah, it was cool to be there at Halloween time, and it was also 50th anniversary of the Haunted Mansion. Grumble, grumble, overlay. <laughs> so we, yeah, he doesn't like the Nightmare Before Christmas it's overlay. I don't like it. I, I love just it. I think it should only be there for Christmas. Well, not I... Halloween. I love it. I'm glad we got to ride it so many times. We got to try some of the the food. Bought a ghost in a jar. Mm-hmm. We had the, the blue cake, which like dyed our mouths. And yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was, it was so good. Blue. Yeah. It was good though. Yeah. So yeah, overall it was like, it was a really good, it was a short trip. We were only there for a few days over a weekend really. And it was just because we'd both been working a lot and we just needed a break feels like we already need a break again yeah i think my feet have finally recovered from that trip we were running back and forth yeah a lot we spent an entire day at dca DCA, which we don't normally do we were at dca open to close with no break (laughs) that was crazy dining oh yeah we did the world of color um dessert party and that was cool. I was just so tired by the time. I was pretty exhausted by the time yeah. that happened. I didn't even. I didn't feel like drinking alcohol. Like the package comes with a couple of drinks, and I just couldn't even drink my drinks. I would have fallen asleep and missed the show, basically. So. I did Incredicoaster, even though I hate roller coasters. Yeah, you finally went on the Incredicoaster. 
just at the edge. Will you go it on it again? On the edge of what <laughs> I can handle without not enjoying it. Yeah. But you still did it. I did it. Um, my job involves Star Wars. I don't know how to explain it. With I don't want to say what I do, but um, I don't work for Disney in any capacity. But the job that I do has me talking about Star Wars every single day. entertainment related. (laughs) And and everyone on my team has been like, Star Wars is going to break you. You're not going to love the franchise anymore after this. And so it was really funny in the midst of us doing all our planning for the movie to come out to go to to Galaxy's Edge. (laughs) But you know what? Like we're almost, we're at this point, we're less than two weeks away. I'm ready for it. I'm excited. Uh, I will be working the opening night in some capacity and I'm really looking forward to it. So Mm -hmm. in terms of future plans, we don't actually have another date. So we're going to take like a real trip. Yeah. That isn't just a weekend in Disney. We're going to be taking a non Disney trip in the first quarter of 2020. It's undecided where we're going yet. We've tossed around a lot of ideas and the dates are also undecided, but we have said that we have gone to Disneyland, um, an average of more than once a year at this point. I mean, the last year was twice, so yeah. Yeah, we went twice this year so far. And, like, we live in Canada, so that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> I don't know anybody else who does stuff like that. It's, yeah, yeah. It just feels like it's getting a bit excessive, and we're like, oh, we should probably, like, see some other parts of the world and give it a little break. Well, the thing is, like, Disneyland isn't even... I don't think of it as going on a vacation or a trip. I think of it as just like taking a break to go home and forget about everything for three <laughs> yeah. days and then come An back and deal with trip. real life. Yeah. That's a trip to go home. Um, our dollar isn't that good, you guys. So, <laughs> uh, Oh, I will. I wanted to say um, we stayed at the Hilton this time, which is attached to the mm-hmm. convention center. And I pretty much stayed at like every Disneyland a good neighbor hotel as well as now the Disneyland hotel and honestly the Hilton was my favorite I loved it I would stay there every time now yeah and it was only like a 15 minute walk to the park it was which perfect is nothing if you're not I mean if you have little kids that would be different but there's a Starbucks in the lobby the crowd there is obviously more business oriented so you don't have a lot of like screaming kids I mean the room was clean it had great amenities they give you water when you come in which makes me happy everything about it was perfect like i think that's going to be my property hotel now for sure so thank you hilton i mean unless we win the lottery (laughs) and stay at grand californian yeah stick with that probably that's the plan um yeah so also i wanted to mention we're kind of skipping over the park for a bit because there's a number of rides that have been in the news lately that are going to be scheduled for major refurbishments in the coming year snow white being one of them um, it's going to be closed for a few months uh indiana jones is going to be closed for upwards of three months for a complete and total refurb uh, we'll backtrack and say we had terrible luck with indy on this trip Oh my god! It broke down while we were in the line three times in a row. Yeah, pretty much every time we went on yeah. it. And someone puked in the line, you guys. That was unpleasant. I'm sorry I'm even sharing that with you. It was it ruined the magic for me. It was, oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. That was a little frustrating because <laughs> I felt like we didn't, we didn't do that ride that many times on the last trip and I wanted to like cram in some more indie and then it just kept breaking down before we even got to it. There was another ride that's going to be closing for refurb, and now I can't think of it. 
Was it Pirates again? No, Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion. Yeah, so Haunted Mansion, Indiana Jones, and Snow White are all scheduled for like pretty... I don't I don't know if they're changing show elements, but it's going to be just like some pretty extensive refreshes, so... I think they're just taking advantage of, of uh, taking the overlay off Haunted Mansion to kind of just clean and brush up everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Indy definitely needed some work. I miss those moving doors. Yeah, don't we all? All right, I think that's going to do it for us. Anything else we should talk about? Disney Plus, Galaxy's Edge. I think we've covered a lot. This the movie. Been, oh, Star it's Wars. It's been the winter of Disney, so. Star Wars. Um, are you excited for the movie? Yes. Oh, we're not going to talk about Frozen 2 because I don't care about it, so. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't really seen the first Frozen. I just know that it's, it's very popular. I saw the first Frozen, and I was like, I'm old. <laughs> and I don't have kids, so like. I don't know what it is if I'm not benefiting off the nostalgia of it. I just didn't get it. I don't get it. So, um, yeah, I, I wasn't interested in Frozen 2. Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, though, I am exceptionally excited for. So, Yeah, I don't know if we've ever really talked about our opinions of the recent Star Wars movies. That's for a different episode. Not really. <laughs> if you guys want, we can do a whole episode talking about everything (laughs) yeah we watched all the prequels we watched everything recently again yes and we have a lot of thoughts but we won't share them here we won't uh we won't make you guys sit through that all right i think that's gonna do it i think that's it all right um go watch peter pan you guys it's only an hour long (laughs) that's the way to bully someone to get to watch a movie right it's only an hour hour. (laughs) and it's it's in the parks all the time (laughs) you should know it's part of disney lore all right you guys well thank you so much for listening that's gonna do it for us we love you goodbye